We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. This is a recording of a live night at the Stand Comedy Club um, for the Newcastle United Supporters Trust, which saw club legends Steve Harper and Alan Shearer take to the stage for a talking event with myself and the Athletics' George Colkin uh, as we spent a fabulous night uh, with Trust members and supporters of Newcastle United uh, listening to George, Alan and Steve talk about Newcastle United and other things. We wanted to bring you the audio so people who weren't able to make the event on the night could hear it. Very sadly for us, the professional audio equipment that the venue had uh, to record this as we have recorded other live shows we've done at the stand uh, didn't work on the night. Uh, Very frustrated by that. So I always have my phone uh, beside me recording things as a backup. And I'm really sad to say that the audio isn't up to standard that we would normally produce on this podcast. But we thought the content was so good that we couldn't possibly not get this out there. So what I've done, I've had a very small play about with it. And hopefully it's in a listenable condition for you. Uh, If it's not and not for you, not to worry. If it is and you enjoy it, I'm going to leave links to donation pages for all four of the charities who were supported on the night uh, in the description of this podcast. If you like what you've heard, please stick them a couple of quid. Uh, pick anyone you want, or you could pick all four. Um, the reason that Alan and Steve and George came together were for the benefit of these charities. We raised £200,000 through the pledge scheme. We raised a further 8%. 800 quid on the night and um, it would be great if you could contribute that and you know we've got massive respects to all three of those gentlemen who came and and have produced such fantastic audio um, for you all to listen to tonight sorry again it doesn't sound its best Uh, apologies to the to the lads as well on stage Uh, I've done what I can Um, if it is in a good listening state for you um, please enjoy and uh, how are the lads? Can't wait for the football to be back in the Premier League, but um, this will do until then. Right, before we um, before we get on with the fun stuff, I'd like us um, to have a toast, and this is something that I really just thought of. But it's about um, it's a toast to the most beautiful word in the English language, I think, and it's a word that um, third, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it's a word that speaks of home and togetherness, and it's a word that speaks of love, and it's the word that sums up what the pledge scheme's been all about, and a very quick digression, while we're saying thank yous, 
have to say a big thank you to this man. Because I hear this was and has put countless hours and days of work of your life into this, Alex. So thank you, and you should be very, very, very proud. Also, it's to say thank you to absolutely everybody who's contributed. But the word that I'm talking about um, increasingly stands, I think, for hope, and it stands for ambition, and it also stands for winning. And on Saturday, it stood for shithousing of the highest level. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely delighted. And so here is the word, please repeat it back to me. United. United. Wow. Stop people here, innit? You'll probably cry at some point. <laughs> We're going to kick things off tonight. I'm going to start off by, by asking you lads about something I've been hearing around the room in the build up to the event on the stairs upstairs and the street outside. And the word is unbelievable. <laughs> people are saying that people are talking to each other saying they cannot believe it. We're, we're all seeing it, witnessing it, feeling it. People can't believe how fucking class we are. <laughs> <laughs> Start with you, Alan, and you want to see and George's. You know, you, you guys saw some unbelievable times here. Most of the people who witnessed them. How how does how does this era, this version of Newcastle United, Alan, compare to what? Can you compare them? How you know? How do you want to compare? Them? Um, well, I, I definitely concur. What you say is fucking class um, <laughs> compared to compared to what we were used to or what we had to uh, to get used to um, through no fault of our own. That, that shouldn't have happened, uh, and it was a pretty horrible time. I, I mean, I, I had the, shall I say, the misfortune of working with him for two months, um, <laughs> and I know, and I know uh, what happened at the end of it. But I think we should park that and leave that, leave that, because it, it was just such a, a horrible time. But where I think where we are now is. An, I hope everyone sort of agrees with me. We're probably, well, we are. We're ahead of schedule. There's no doubt. I don't think, I don't think anyone could have said to to anyone in this room, or even Harps, who thinks he's a clever fucker. So <laughs> I'm next president. <laughs> we would, would be going into the World Cup. We'll be third in the Premier League. I don't think anyone could have could have imagined that. So. We are ahead of schedule. I'm, I'm sure somewhere down the road there's going to be a bump. There's be a, there'll be a bump somewhere. But the, the more I, the more I look at us and the more I see the other clubs where they are, i.e., Chelsea, uh, Spurs, Man United, um, and one or two others, and they're all playing in Europe. We're not. And the more I think and I look and think, if we can get one in, maybe two in in January, top quality, then. The more I think about it, the more I say to myself, you know what, it, we could actually finish in the top four. Um, but I think there's a lot of ifs to that. I'm not expecting it, I hope I'm wrong. It would be amazing if, um, if we did. But it, it, is, it is brilliant to see. For, for me, living in the area, the whole area is better, the, the atmosphere is better, the pubs are better, you, the pint tastes better. <laughs> Everything's just better in the end, by the way. And it's empty, by the way. 
miss the bar anyway, it's the bar upstairs. Can I, can I just say, um, I've never been able to do this, and, I'm, and please don't ever, anyone ever tell what I'm going to do, but can I just, can I put a thousand pound beat behind the bar for everyone? Someone brings me the first pint. Hang on, hang on. I got it. Hang on, I'm just about to double it. Oh, he's not that pissed. Honestly, I'll, uh, if you just put a thousand pounds, I'll come and do it on my credit card and, and I'll do it. When I finish off this, so, yeah. I've known him 26 years, by the way, and that, that's uh, you've always been very generous, but that's so much. So consider yourselves very, very, uh, very fortunate. Am I doubling it? Uh, no, he's not. He's, he's down to his last 35 million. Now. Can you change a million pound note? Be <laughs> <laughs> first. The two corner. <laughs> I don't know what, what was the question, Alex. <laughs> yeah, um, can we believe it? Yeah, it's it's great to see. Yeah, it is. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned that on for the last ten minutes. It's, I think it's great that all the big, all the so-called big boys are now moaning and have one, one fight us and, and have yeah, yeah, yeah. us and say it's not right what Newcastle are doing or they don't agree with the time wasting them. I, I think that's brilliant because for far too long we've been a soft touch, we've been a walkover, the teams have come up to here and think it's only Newcastle, it will be alright. That's no longer the case anymore and from my point of view it's amazing to watch. I think Alan's point were ahead of schedule. I think last year the finish, what the manager did, manager and his staff did, was was incredible. Uh, the turnaround, the effort, the commitment, um, the work rate. And somebody said something to me on Saturday night, which resonated with me. You know, I kicked off at the end of the game on Saturday night. We would have won the fight as well, wouldn't we? And I thought, what a great point that is. Because it's been, it's been a long time, I think, since that would have since that would be the case. Now the good times, obviously, you know, back in the Champions League days, we're fortunate enough to play in a couple of them. I think it's important, we've all seen, you know, I think I was the one that coined the bipolar nature of the club. And just to remember, like Alan said, let the past go and appreciate where we are. Now we were drawing against Bournemouth a few weeks ago and there were some grumbles and I thought, no, let's not go there. You know, let's not go there, let's, Let's appreciate where we are and how well everybody's doing the club. The club fuels the city. I think that's a term I heard recently as well, and it fuels and feeds the city. And the whole city is feeding off that and running on that at a real high energy, high octane vibe, and long may it continue. But the manager, I mean, the ownership, what they're doing, and I know we'll come on to that, what they're doing, how they're organically growing and building the club and putting that structure in place, but the credit must go to the manager. I mean, yeah. wow, what yeah. opportunities getting out of this place. Yeah.
the, the thing I love about now is that it's 92, 93, and 93, 94 all, all over again. And I know that, you know, in, in order for Newcastle to go close to the title, to be able to sign on and to have those Champions League nights, had to do that first bit. And that was getting up under Kevin Keegan and then staying up and just having that sense of sort of limitless possibility. And if you think about it, if you're a 20-year-old lad or last now, really all you've known is the actual years, and that's been pretty miserable. And then suddenly, to, to do what the team did last season and then to follow it up this season, there's that beautiful weightlessness around the club at the minute. There's no judgment. No one's making any judgment. No one expects Newcastle to win. And then when Newcastle do win, it's that absolute moment of discovery. We're discovering what it's like to be winners again every single week, week, week in, week out. And you made the point, Alex, when we were just having a chat the other day that Liverpool know what it's like to win, Man City know what it's like to win, Chelsea know what it's like to win. Newcastle put everything on the line to win on Saturday in those last few minutes, and it's just a, it's a beautiful thing to behold. And I think, you know, I'm sure when Newcastle go, I can't believe I'm saying this, but when Newcastle go on to win something, you know, that'll, that'll live long in the memory, but it's these two seasons that have come first that people will talk about in 20 years' time, 30 years' time, because there is just that sense of beauty, week in, week out, every win feels like a shock. Is it unbelievable? Yeah, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And I'm not, this isn't, I don't think, telling state secrets, but I was on the touchline after the game waiting for players um, on Saturday after the match, and Amanda Stavely came down and... Uh, you're going to drop a name, drop a big name, drop yeah. <laughs> I'd like to relay the contents of that conversation because because she said we're third and I replied we're third and she says we're third and I said we're third and that carried on for a little while and so that's probably an interesting conversation
who can grow the club in every in every I wish I'd uh, brought my car now, but... Uh, oh, the in Newcastle, there's not a queue in the bar when I just pulled the ground down the bar, by the way. The girls have a bit of party. What? You've got to speak to Gaffa. She wouldn't have paid for that. No. Really? Maybe she knows where I'm from. She knows I'm from Boston with credit cards no good. I bailed her out a few times. She uses that trick all the time. <laughs> First, 25 years ago, yeah. They'll sort it out, they'll sort it out for break. His pin code is still nice. You can all have a drink, it's fine. Um, uh, I think the club, yeah, I mean, obviously bringing the women's team under the, under the umbrella as well, the investment. Uh, we're getting in the academy as well, the changes we're making there again to build it and put a lot of things in place that weren't there originally, where the returns are down the line. You know, you put something in that you can grow and build on, so it does become sustainable and things become achievable over a period of time. So, yeah, what they do, you can't fault what they're doing. They're, they're clearly, you know, the, the ownership and the people involved are very experienced. And the, it's been going, I mean, George, I know, this has probably been going on in the background for a while. So even though it happened quite suddenly, the plan was there, and now that's what's been rolled out. Three, three Newcastle players in an England World Cup squad for the first time since Allen's World Cup in 1998. How important is that, Steve, from an academy point of view, that, that the, young, the young lads that you work with know that you can't, staying and playing for Newcastle United is now a genuine chance of playing for England? Yeah, well, I was looking today, actually. I was looking at uh, the uh, performance plan. We've got, we've got 15, between under 15 and under 21 people involved in international teams at the minute uh, with regards to their respective age groups. So obviously it's the ultimate. Alan was an international player. I worked for two and a half years with Northern Ireland in international football as a coach, and it is it is the pinnacle to go to a World Cup. I can't catch my breath that Dan Byrne hasn't gone to the World Cup. That's been the form he's in. He can play two positions. He's a leader. And, uh, you know, for a country of 60 million people, there'd be 60 million different England squads. But that makes so much sense. But when when the people like Elliot Anderson are training every day around these top level elite performers, they're only going to adopt those behaviours as well. We had Lucas De Ball up there for, for five months in and around the first team. The manager, they train with 20 players, 20 outfield players every day, so three or four times a week, they're calling for one, two or three of the under 21s to go up there and train and get a taste of this elite level experience. So it's brilliant for us. The manager, you know, I've met the manager a few times and probably, you know, messages every week. And he, he is interested. But the big thing is, as an academy, all we provide is opportunity. And they get the opportunity at what is now the highest level. Just um, just very briefly, I mean, obviously, fantastic for Cam Wilson to get into the England squad. Fantastic, obviously, for Nick Boat too. Has there been a more transformative signing in Newcastle's recent history than Kieran Trippier? No, I think he was a game changer for me. Yeah. 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 I think for him, for him to come in from where he did come from in terms of winning La Liga and England International, there was a there was a real live chance that Newcastle were going to be relegated that in, in January. So for him to come in and have no clothes 
in his contract to say if they had been relegated then he was off I think sent a huge message to the rest of the footballing world actually um, so and I think I remember it was at Cambridge the first his first the first FA Cup game when half if not all the team after that result were actually walking off the pitch without actually without thanking the fans and I think he went and dragged five or six of them back from the tunnel back into the yep. and I, I thought I like I love that I think that's a, that's amazing what he's done um, proper leader great character understood that the result went against everyone but the atmosphere was amazing to go and get the rest of the player I thought that was real captains and experienced material so Excellent. from from that day I thought yeah he'll do for us and the jury, yes. the juries will love him yeah and they are, and I think he's a he's a he's a proper warrior. He don't take any shit from anyone. He's not he's he's prepared to put his foot in, um, and he's a great example to everyone else and everyone at our football club of how you have to perform. If you don't play well, it doesn't matter. But you have to give everything. You're prepared to break your neck in a tackle, and I think he epitomises that more than anyone. So I'm a huge fan of his. Yeah. You've led the line for England at the World World Cup Ireland. And, you know, Callum Wilson. In fact, your name is mentioned not with Callum Wilson because the discussion amongst Lodging Castle fans is the best since you. How you rate Callum Wilson's time at the Castle, and, and do you think he do you think he's got a chance of making a real contribution in Qatar? Um, I, I, I like I like him a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's so unfortunate because his career has been blighted by injuries, and that, that's just part of who he is and what he is you, you, you have to accept that when you sign him he's probably going to miss a third at least of a season which is really unfortunate because what he gives the team he, can, he runs in behind he gives a real threat in, in the 18 yard box um, and he's prepared to make him he's, he, he doesn't give an easy time to the centre half which they, they don't like playing against him which I think is, is important as well um, I mean that that depends whether he can play a big part or not depends on two things. One, if England are struggling, he's the one that's going to have to come on and try and do something. And if, and if Harry stays fit and scoring goals, then the likelihood is he, he won't play a huge part. And I think we get that and understand that because no, no one's... Harry's our talisman, he's our leader, and if England are going to go far in this tournament, he has to be in and amongst the golden boot winners. He's going to have to be looking to get six or seven goals. So... Um, and I don't think they're going to play two. Well, he won't play two up front. He'll and so he'll, he'll probably only come on if or when with the games won, or we need to try and win the game somehow. Um, but I like him a lot. I, I think he's, he's he's great for Newcastle. He's 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 been ideal. The only thing is is, is his injuries, which is such a shame. You have to accept that when you sign him. We did a um, we did a my head of course we did a, a master class. With strikers, Alan wasn't available, but Malcolm McDonald did. It's a tough crowd, this in. I have a big dog shit over, it's alright. Do we do anything about these lights on this head? Sorry. We, we wanted to get, I mean, Malcolm McDonald came, Alan did the video, ignore him, he did a video intro. We had uh, Chris Wood came down, Callum Wilson came down. And he was dead open with all of the young strikers in and around the academy talking about how he studies centre halves. I, I, I like how he bumps, you know, when the ball's coming up, he'll bump the defender off 
off balance a little bit. But what he did was, we, we asked him about what research you do on, on, on opposition teams and goalkeepers. So this is the day before the game, there's 60 people in the classroom and he's talking about Aston Villa. And he said, oh, Martin is the goalkeeper. Uh, he goes 51% right, 49% left, but he's never stood for a penalty down the middle. This is the Friday, there's 70 people in the room, the day before the game, who are going to go home and tell people and tell people. And tell people. And we all said, I hope we don't get a penalty tomorrow. <laughs> sure enough, penalty, but the goalkeeper's changed, hasn't it? So everybody in the academy's texting me, if the goalie stands still, there's going to be a serious inquiry. <laughs> Fortunately, Aston Villa didn't get the memo. He put it down the middle, and we all breathed a massive sigh. Otherwise, I might not be sitting here in that carriage. So I suppose, Steve, I'll come to you about Nick Pope and the third of the three. Uh, what do you like about him? What you know? How has your experience been with him so far? Uh, I think on club form, he would play for England. But on country form, then John Pickford would play. I think. Very BBC answer, on it? <laughs> Straight back that one. Um, you know, I think he's been looking at it. You're not going to get a big hand for that answer, but the man is great. Save those camry coming down again. We're third, by the way, no. Third, third. Okay. Somebody tell a manager you want to say something for him. Um, the question. Um, yeah, I think he's been brilliant. I love how positive he is in the air. Um, at six foot six, I might have gone for a couple of crosses as well. He's, uh, really, you know, he's been excellent. You know, the clean sheets, the detail, the preparation. I think he's a real, and there's a reassurance about him in that this back four is really performing to a high level, and he's a big reason for that. I think for a team to be able to turn around and just go, yeah. We're in a good place here, and I think he gives that aura. He gives that aura off. He's made big saves at important times. He did again the other day. You know that goes it, but we, he makes a big save. We go down the other end, and I think just that calm authority he's got filters through the team and the crowd. Excuse the language, but I say thank fuck. We've got a goalkeeper in Newcastle who comes for crashes now. <laughs> away in the centre-half still with. Come on, Steve, what was he like as a manager? Hey, eh? what was he like as a manager? He got relegated, didn't he? I was just about to stick up for him then as well. I, I actually, he, he told me, I mean, we're... We're good pals, he's godfather to my youngest, so I can't give him too much grief. But um, he told me three days before that it was a possibility, and I didn't even tell my wife because um, I was thinking, oh, you know, this, this is going to be really difficult. Uh, everybody talks about how hard, you know, Eddie Howe is there at half six and leaves at eight, nine o'clock, and that's what the modern managers do. That's what he did, you know, and he, people say, like me, you, you know, should be saying, but anybody could have taken the job that year, and it was the perfect storm. It was it was meant to be, and you don't get relegated on eight games. Relegated on thirty-eight games, I think. Um, he, he couldn't have worked any harder. Um, I think one or two people probably get under it if he has another pint about one or two people who who, uh, who, who might be worth two grand for another pub. Come on, thanks. 
get his lips, get his lips going. Uh, uh, feel, go on, son, get it done. I think I think one or two people uh, let, let him down. Uh, I wasn't one of them, cheeky so. <laughs> um, but he, he was he was typical him, stubborn, headstrong, diligent, incredibly hardworking, and you know, like I said, it was a perfect storm. It was meant to be that year. Everything conspired against the club, but him most everything. But it certainly wasn't for the lack of endeavour. And obviously, sorry, I'm not, I'm not digressing into that. But obviously, got, got to the end of that, got to the end of that season, and Mike actually said in public that Alan was the best decision he ever took, and Alan's still waiting for the follow-up call. Right, and saying, um, and to be, to be perfectly frank about it, the way he was treated, and plenty of other really good people and people who've been important to Newcastle's history were treated like absolute shit. How brilliant is it to see Alan's statue back? Yes. Even if it looks now like him. Yeah, it, it happened. It was it was hard to take, but it was it was eight great weeks despite what happened. And I, lo- I loved all the chat. You're asked to you're asked to make a big decision every single day in management. Um, whether that's how you deal with a player who's gone against you, whether that's you've got to make a time decision, you've got to make a dress decision, you've got to everything. You've got to make some decision, and someone's looking to you every day. And I loved that responsibility. Um, and it, it came to the last day, whatever happened, and then I think it was the Tuesday, if I'm not wrong, we had the Monday off, uh, and then I, we went in and had the meetings uh, with Mike and with all the others, and we shook hands on a three-year deal, we agreed the budget, agreed the whatever, the contract, and then um, we left late that afternoon saying, I'll, we'll announce it on Thursday, I'll see you, we'll see you on Thursday, yeah. You. And um, I'm still waiting for him to call me. <laughs> that was it. So, but where I uh, where I come from, when you shake someone's hand, that's good enough, and that was a deal, and that that's that was really really disappointing for me. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about more positive things. Um, well, I, I like asking well actually about about this World Cup break. I mean, obviously unprecedented in terms of a planned break in a season like this. Alan, you first, how, how do you think that Aiden Castle United could have break up to as good as at the wrong time to stop us on the tracks? I haven't got a clue because we've never been in this position before. Um, I really don't know. Uh, it would have been ideal with the, with the start that we've had, 15 games, I think, is it 15, 15 games we've had? It would have been ideal if we just carried on. I mean, it's like when you're winning two 0 at half time and you're flying. You don't. You don't really want to stop. You don't want the 15 minutes. You want to carry on. And I think that's a similar sort of situation with with where we are now as a as a football club. Um, I don't know. We might get injuries, whatever. I, I don't. We haven't got a clue because we've never been in this position. How it's going to affect players, whether when it, when they come back or later on in the uh, later on in the season. Um, 
What I do know is, is that when I look at the Carabao Cup and I look at who's gone out and I look at when we play uh, and when everyone else plays, I think it's a Tuesday and Wednesday, isn't it? The 20th, 21st, I think, of, uh, of December. Um, then we've got a, we've got a great chance of progressing in that in that uh, in that competition. Um, but in terms of who we can play, I suppose that depends on how far England go and every other country. That they're all every other one's everyone's saying the same thing. If it gets to or a country gets to a semi final or final, and those players clearly probably won't are going to play. But if the whoever gets knocked out in the group games or in the round of sixteen. <coughs> And they're going to get another two or three weeks off. So that, it, it, that all depends on who or where and, and how countries progress. Um, but it's not ideal. I mean, it's. It, I think it's a bonkers situation that we're in, having a World Cup in the winter. I mean, it's that's another subject which we might get onto later on. But we've been hoodwinked, haven't we? <laughs> but it's already. I mean, it's already a weird season, isn't it? I mean, if you look at the. Well, we're third. But I mean, um, but if you look at the teams who are struggling, if you look at third, the look at the teams who are struggling, we're third. Even Amanda says we're third. You're going to get that from the crowd every time. Well, I can't believe that. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Um, but it's already a weird season, and so the, there's already an opportunity there. And, you know, um, so I don't, the World Cup certainly adds to the weirdness. But, is there, you know, and yeah, it's that weird situation where you a game finishes and you want the next game to be played tomorrow straight away, and so the break does feel frustrating, and it's very strange to go straight from that into the World Cup, and who knows what happens. But we know there's an opportunity. Yeah, but then you look at, I mean, every club has its pluses and minuses. Look at use Man City as an example. Most of their players, other than one of their most important players, Harlan. I mean, he'll. He's probably on his on his jet on the way to the Maldives as we speak for two weeks in the sunshine, um, which is ideal for him because looking throughout his career, I think there's only been once where he's played over 30 league games in a season. I know he's still pretty young, but for this season he's going to have a, a great break which he's never had before. So he'll come back. You'd hope or you'd so you'd think that he'd come back flying. Salah's not in a, in a World Cup, so every it has pluses and minuses for every every football club, and we're we're no different. But to see our representation at the World Cup is Newcastle. You said it's since when was it? The last time, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, so it's amazing that we're we're now talking about not only the three players, um, but Bruno and Cher and everything else, and everyone, all the other guys who are off to this World Cup. It's great for our football club to be recognised in that way. But it's, it's massively important, that thing as well, that players know that they can come to Newcastle and their careers can develop. You know, this used to be a wasteland for international ambition, and now it's the opposite. And Gareth Southgate comes to two Newcastle games in a row in which there were seven Englishmen playing for Newcastle. And all of those people should have aspirations if they want you know, to play for their country. Yeah, it does, it does send a great message out because I mean, I don't know, and I haven't got a clue, and I've got no inside knowledge to, to, to anyone, but use uh, James Madison as an example, that he may not have come to Newcastle last summer because of he's still unaware of what's going on, but now they can look at the project, they can look at where Newcastle are, and we can now, I think, attract those type of players 
Um, I know we got Trippier, which was slightly different, but we can now look at those players and think, yeah, you know what? We can actually go in for those players with a realistic chance of getting them, um, and it's not just going to. He's not going to look at four or five other clubs and think mm, Newcastle. Not sure about that. We're now we're now a we're now a pulling club. We can. I think we might maybe not the best, but we can certainly attract some of the best if uh, to, to to our region to our club. We're not, we're not even talking about Isaac. I always spent sixty-three million pounds on a centre forward, and we're not, we're not even talking about him because he's had one or two little little niggly injuries as well. So that's a statement in itself. You know, trivia. You talk about steps along the road on the journey. Yes, we've got England probably second choice number nine and Trippier, but we're now saying, well, I can't believe he hasn't gone. I can't believe he hasn't gone. But we also spent sixty-three million pounds on a centre forward. I mean, wow. You know, 15.6 million back in the day was was a statement as well. But the fact we've spent 63 million on a centre forward as well—it's it, incredible. I'm going to finish off part one. Last question for you guys. Then, put you on the spot. Where did Newcastle United finish this season? From what you've seen so far? Can you asked me that at the end of January. Because <laughs> uh, I think I really think if we can get one in, one top quality player. Then, yeah, I would, I would, I would think because of the uncertainty of other clubs, I've, I mentioned them before. Then, I mean, I would never have said that at the beginning of the season. I would have said anywhere between sixth and tenth would have been, would have, would have been all right. Yeah, if we can get, if we can get someone of his ability, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Then, I think because of Spurs and Chelsea and um, Man United, uh, then yeah, I would. Why not? Is what I would say. I think top seven is a will. Will I think we'll definitely finish in the top seven. I think, like Alan says, if 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 the teams that have historically finished in the top four or five have injury issues and then a real heavy workload and go deep into the Champions League, that's only going to help push. Help push. Where am I? Stephen McLaren impression. I'm a point behind you. Uh, it's only going to help us. Uh, us. Um, and also, I think January dependent. Who knows what the you know what the plans are with regards to January as well? But um, yes, you know injury problems for the so-called Champions League club, historical clubs. But let's see what happens in January as well. But oh, we're dreaming, aren't we? That's the big thing. We are dreaming. It. I get some. I mean. Even the, the Leicester season got I mentioned, you know, I was like, whoa, hang on a second. You know, like, th that is the perfect story for Leicester. Let's just enjoy where we are and we are dreaming again. So, not me, continue. Yes. Yeah, that's. Um... That's my attitude as well. It's um, I don't want to I don't want to feel disappointed about the team, and I don't want to get to the end of the season and feel disappointed. So I'm not going to put any pressure on them. Um, George, no, no. I mean, I, I, I just I'm just I'm just loving going to the match week in week out. I'm, I'm looking forward to being there, and I'm looking forward to St James's being what I think of as St James. Stop taking the piss out. Of <laughs> I'm agreeing with everything you're saying. So, I just don't think the players will feel under pressure because you're saying that. You said it was a really good writer for the athletes. <laughs>
love you, Willie, you know that. You're the biggest fan. If you loved your back, you'd have a Shiro t shirt and that Bruno. <laughs> Have you seen his Bruno t shirt? So, my answer is I don't really care when you pass the finish. Of course, I do. Of course, I do. And I, just want, I wanted to carry on for as long as possible, but there'll be no pressure or judgment from me. Spot Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.